I'm not an atheist anymore because I don't look at the world that way anymore. I'm not a materialist anymore. I don't think the world's made out of matter. I think it's made out of what matters. It's made out of meaning. Look at it from, a, from the perspective of modern brain science. What we orient towards unconsciously, which means what captures our attention, is meaning and it captures our attention before we know what it is. The brain acts as if the world's made out of information or made out of meaning. Heidegger, for example, German philosopher, was convinced that the world was made out of meaning, essentially, and that um, people's primary interaction with being was interaction with meaning. And that isn't what modern people think because they're deeply materialistic. If you go back 400 years or 500 years and you look at what people meant when they said matter, which is what things are made out of, what they thought matter was isn't like what we think it is. It wasn't like this material stuff, sort of like dirt that everything was made out of. It was, it was much more complicated than that. The problem with the standard view of matter is that it doesn't really deal with the fact that matter comes in arrays and in patterns. And the patterns and the arrays, which is sort of lost when you think about atoms, that's where all the action is. That's where the reality is. My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Let's talk about some unusual things about the Bible that make it completely different than all the other religions out there. Have you ever opened up a book having to do with mythology where it's talking about Roman or Greek gods, where it actually states that real people walked with Hercules or Zeus? No, their stories where fictional characters are made up that we have no historical evidence for, but we don't actually have any kind of information where someone is literally claiming that they walked around with Hercules or any of the other type of gods out there. But when you read the Bible, you have over 70 or 80 books here. That depends on if you add the Book of the Apocrypha and the Dead Sea Scrolls where people are actually stating that they seen manifestations of God, it actually directed them, and sometimes helped them, sometimes it caused unfortunate things to happen in their lives. Real people who are claiming to have interactions. But if you were to open any book up having to do with Hades, or um, just one of the countless gods that mankind has actually made up, false gods, and uh, any of the religions out there, you'll notice that they don't even come close to the stories that are dictated that are in the Bible. Another really interesting thing, too, if you were to compare creation accounts with, let's say, uh, the creation account of uh, one of these other religions out there, it doesn't say that this God just waved his hand or waved the magic wand and then voila, mankind just poofed into existence. 
nothing like the atheist claim, obviously, which is very, very magical in thinking, the idea that life and existence just got here out of nothing, that matter and energy and all these atoms and molecules in the earth just simply formed and created themselves from nothing. That, to me, sounds like some David Copperfield shit, if you ask me. No, the Bible does something interesting. I remember a while back Carl Sagan said something to the effect of, we are children of stardust. And I don't know if many of you realize this, but one of the reasons why the earth has dust in the first place is because we accumulate it from space. We accumulate it from dead stars and the materials that have formed on the planet that we've been hit by from the universe, which is supposedly 200 billion light years across in its expansion and still stretching as we speak, as we fly a billion miles per hour through this dark, cold universe. The Bible says that God actually created us from the materials of the earth. Well, if you ask any non-believers out there, where do you think abiogenesis started from? They're going to tell you, well, the first life started from the water. Well, in the book of Genesis, it actually tells you that God went through the entire process of creating the universe, creating the planets. In the book of Hebrew, it actually has God speaking in plural, stating that he created planets and other worlds, not just the planet Earth is where Genesis focuses mostly on the earth. But it tells you that life started out in the ocean, and then it tells you that God used the materials and properties and the dust of the earth in order to create man. And Carl Sagan, a modern-day scientist who's only been dead for a little while, stated that we actually came from stardust, the children of stardust, Dust billions and billions of years ago, Carl Sagan would say. It's interesting when you think about it, because if these were just primitive men who were inventing some magical character, some old man that lives on a cloud in the sky, there could have been millions of other alternatives. They could have just simply said, uh, God flicked the ocean, or God spit, and then voila, or God made it to where we were riding on the back of a giant turtle like some religions claim out there, which is clearly obvious that that is not the case. And we definitely don't believe in the Roman or Greek religion because they claim there is a magical palace that exists in the sky, which atheists seem to mix up whenever it comes to the difference and contrast between Jesus Christ and what Zeus was all about. Some other interesting things, too, that's weird about the Bible that I don't think anybody would be able to argue against. You can have your opinions and theories, but this is going to be hard to refute. The fact that if we were to believe the idea that mankind just simply invented these stories over generation after generation after generation, all the way to the point of the New Testament, we got a little bit of a problem here. First of all, it's the type of people that Jesus is talking to and who is supposedly writing all these stories from Genesis all the way up. The story continues to tell us that humans are evil. 
that not one of us is good. You would think that the person who's actually inventing this God would make it to where God actually liked them and considered them good. But instead, whoever wrote this says, according to God, we're all bad. I mean, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If you were writing a book and you were making up a character and you wanted to involve your own embodiment into the story, wouldn't you say something to the effect of, God likes me because I'm, I'm nice, I smell good, um, and I behave very well? No. Every single one of the writers of these stories tell you, I'm a sinner, I'm terrible. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. If he invented this, then why wouldn't it be that he'd be the hero of the story? He's not. What I find really fascinating, too, is that in a story that's invented or made up, nine times out of ten, it's usually going to have a positive ending for the Arthur, or his favorite hero. Sure, we've got some sad stories of Romeo and Juliet, where in the end they don't get what they want, and then they just simply poison themselves or do whatever they do. But why would you say that everybody's bad? That would mean you as the writer, being that you're a human, you would also be terrible. You would be worthy of hell. You'd be worthy to burn. Why wouldn't you give yourself an out if you were inventing this? Say, if people were to behave like me, if people would do things like me, then they would be fine with Jesus Christ. But every single one of the disciples, Jesus Christ pointed the finger at and said, Hey, you're not doing it right. And all the way throughout the story, these disciples are constantly questioning Jesus Christ. And these are the same guys who end up writing it. And then Paul comes after Jesus Christ has died. And he's still going on about, I'm not worthy of this figure. I'm not worthy of Jesus Christ. But why? You're the one writing the story. If this is fake, then why can't you write yourself as the good guy? It's something to think about. I myself, I write books. I've invented characters. I've made characters up. And I usually have this idea whenever I'm writing a book is sometimes I'm interested in writing like anti-heroes. I like moral stories and philosophy, but I always kind of have this person who's trying to do the best they can. They go through struggles and they try to do good, but sometimes they fail and make mistakes. I think the best heroes of all are the ones who make mistakes, some who you know, fall on their own sword kind of thing. And then I have these bad guys where they have a character build up where you can find interest in them. You can see where they're coming from. You can understand the dichotomy they find themselves in. But unfortunately, they're just a bit more greedier than the normal person. But I never put in any of my stories that I never give this idea that I'm actually walking with these figures. 
or that somehow I myself, as well as the entire human race, is just absolutely awful and not even worth saving. You realize that when you read the Bible, you're reading about whoever is writing these stories, they all seem to be consistent from generation to generation. Every author continues to tell you over thousands of years, each one of them is telling you the same story, that this God loathes sin, hates sin, hates iniquity, wants us to strive to be perfect. Why do I say perfect? Because he wants us to be like Christ, and Christ was perfect. Christ was the very embodiment of God. He is the walking word, the flesh. I don't know, just some things to think about. Maybe other people don't notice that because some of you out there have never had the ambition to write a book. Maybe you've never thought to yourself that if you were to invent a God story without knowing all the things that you know now, without already having all these drafts of the concept or idea of a God, how strange it is that Genesis got so much right. I notice that a lot of people don't argue about the different processes in Genesis. They seem to be hung up on the whole six-day deal. But then when we read in First Peter and we read in the New Testament, as well as some books in the Old Testament, it tells you very clearly that God exists outside of time. It tells you that human life, our existence, is like nothing more than the dust and the wind. That years to us is no more than a second to God. It's almost as if if he blinks, an entire generation is gone and a new generation is here. When the end finally comes, when the world is finally destroyed, for God it's going to seem like nothing more than what? Ten minutes at most? For ten minutes, we get to live for thousands of years. To God, it's just simply ten minutes where he's paying attention to us for a moment. We get a lot of these people who complain, Oh, I think it's so weird and creepy, the idea of a God watching me. Well, if God is outside of the universe and outside of time, then ten minutes doesn't seem like a very long time to be looking at you paying attention to the choices that you make. I often wonder, too, there's not a whole lot of information that explains how God's attributes actually work. They just simply tell you that he can do certain things, like God seems to know everything. I wonder if he knows everything, not just because he can see what we're doing, and not just because he can see and peer within our hearts and our minds, but is it also, I am curious, I wonder, and I've thought about this a lot, do we record our own sins as we live? And then when judgment day comes, he's able to open each one of us up like a book, just as he opens up the book of life. And that is how he's able to know all things about us and every dark secret we've ever had, to just simply open us and see it then and there. But think about that time thing. Your entire life could go by 
in a blink of God's eye. And when you do die, when you do die, you will think of death as everything ending, right? You're going to see death as you no longer exist, that it's all over, the lights go out. But for God, he probably isn't going to mourn death in the same way that you would, feeling your loss and letting your emotions and feels take over. To him, it's nothing more than you just simply passing through the door where you were once on earth and now you're standing in front of him. It's kind of hard to like freak out about death when you're a god if the person that dies is immediately standing in front of you. I know some Christians believe that you stay in the ground until the return of Christ, but even if that were the case, it would be kind of like I would describe it as being in a cryogenic chamber where you're asleep or you're frozen, but the moment the door is opened, it's going to seem like not a second in life passed for you or death. Ah, just curious things. What do you all think about that? I'd love to see your comments and your views, your ideas on all this. I hope you're all having a blessed day. At 7 p.m. on Friday, I'm going to be doing a live broadcast. As many of you know, I usually end up putting my broadcast up on my radio station. If you'd rather listen to it on Spotify in your car or your stereo system, some of you are very lucky where you get to have your YouTube and your high-definition monitor or computer plugged directly in your stereo already so you can listen to me nice, loud, and clear. Well... May I also encourage you, because I love hearing what you all think, to uh, feel free to call me on my radio show and uh, talk to me or leave messages. You never know. You might say something that's so fascinating or interesting or request a cool band or song. I may put you on the radio. God bless. Have a wonderful day.